0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro on a Thursday here at the NovaCare Complex. The Eagles, of course, advancing to Super Bowl 57. We're going to have daily Eagles Insider Podcast for you starting Monday of next week. We're very excited about that. This one is a great episode. We've got and Sue coming into the studio we've got nick sirianni we're going to hear from jalen hurts and brandon graham and we're going to talk to dan ryan who is organizing all of the eagles team travel he's already out in arizona and we'll discuss the scope and just the enormity of this project and it is certainly a project as the eagles move across country to play the kansas city sheets in super bowl 57 as has been the case the last few weeks here we're going to keep a good thing going the great Meryl Reese joins me in studio. Meryl, how are you today? Dave,
2: it is great to be with you.
1: Um, let's talk a little San Francisco 49ers sure. first. We talked how close it would be and how difficult it would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meryl, I, I, I know that Brock Purdy was knocked out of the game. I'm of the belief that the Eagles would have still won in a big
2: way in that game. Do you believe I that? No, I, I, I don't know. No, I don't. I do oh, come, come on. on. Man, listen, listen. Here's, here's my opinion. Okay. My opinion is the Eagles would have won. They may have won by 10 points. But when you take a quarterback out of a game and he's without without any ability to throw, where he had the torn ligament, and then you have the other quarterback, Josh Johnson, who's not the greatest quarterback to begin with, out of the game, and he can't come back because of the concussion. And you say to the opposition, we can't pass. And they have a whole half of that. There's no way they can win. And to say that, well, the Eagles would have won anyhow. I think they would have. I thought they were the better team. I think they would have won, but it would have been at least a somewhat competitive game Agreed. Agreed for most that. of the way. I agree
1: with that. It wouldn't have been 31-7, no question. Um, the Eagles defense, Merrill. I, I feel like the Eagles defense doesn't get enough credit for what it's done through the course of a season. Your thoughts on what Jonathan Gannon, what all of these new players, the impact that Hassan Reddick has had. Yeah. I can't remember a free agent having more of an impact than Hassan.
2: He should be a legitimate candidate for Defensive Player of the Year with what he has done. And I think Jonathan Gannon is an absolutely brilliant coach. He's done a great job putting people in position to succeed. Merrill, uh,
1: we now move... Well, let's take a little bit... Let's take a step back here. Uh, what's What stands out here several days after the NFC Championship game? What has stuck with you since then?
2: Well, I, I have the belief... That this is perhaps the strongest, most complete Eagles team I have ever been around in 46 years. And that belief becomes strengthened game by game. I think they are absolutely a complete team.
1: Um,
2: your performance, uh, your your evaluation of Jalen Hurts in this postseason. Jalen Hurts has done exactly what he has had to do. Uh, he's hasn't turned the ball over or he had won earlier but not since the playoffs began but he's he's been outstanding he's right. been absolutely outstanding has he been brilliant has he done anything fantastic no because he hasn't been required to he's played under control he's played methodically he's done everything he has to do there are games when he is tested where he has to go really deep and complete some passes through small windows, but these last two games have been so one-sided that there's, it's not necessary for him to take any risks at all. I don't want the answer
1: now, but I will ask you the question now so you can think about it, and we'll get to it later. Is this the best Eagles team ever? So don't answer the question. All right, let's get to the interview first. And Dominic Kintsu, Eagles uh, late-season edition, mid-season edition, He's played 10 games with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, an interesting, interesting guy. I had him in studio earlier today on this Thursday, and uh, here's how the conversation went one-on-one with Eagles defensive tackle Indomakansu. I, I I don't know I don't know him. I don't know Indomakansu, so I'm very excited to interview you. Yes. Um, it's interesting. Like I I'm going to start with a an observation, and don't okay. don't take it the wrong way. <laughs> so I've been here a long time, and they're they're are three players who kind of like possess that regal um, um, nature of being great football players and also like having a very learned perspective of the world. Yeah. And I'm, I'm taking the leap to include you in this okay. very ex- extremely uh, impressive list. Reggie White, um, Troy Vincent, yeah. Malcolm Jenkins.
3: Mm, Do you oh, feel wow. like
1: that? Like Because I feel like you have this...
3: Very well-rounded human beings. That, and I uh, feel like that's what you are. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's an amazing compliment, especially with that group of guys. I've heard a lot of things about uh, Malcolm Jenkins. I uh, was just talking to Coach Rock about Reggie White. He got to spend time with him, be around him. Uh, and Troy Vincent's uh, a special human. Obviously, he's one of the top executives over there at the NFL and, and doing an amazing job. Where has football, uh, what has football allowed you to do with your life? I mean, football has created an amazing platform for myself and my family, uh, not only to learn and meet people left and right, but also the opportunity to to play a a great and fun sport, Uh, something that I didn't grow up playing very much at all. I was – very keen on the European football. My dad played professionally over in Germany, and that's been our family sport ever since. My sister played for my dad's country. I played since I was three, uh, and I thought my dad at one point in time wanted me to actually go to boarding school in Europe to go mm-hmm. play professional soccer. But uh, you're that good? I, I was on the trajectory to be pretty good. Uh, as what? Well, what was your game? Uh, primarily a sweeper, uh, and then I would obviously play goalie as well and a little bit of forward. So midfield was the only one that I kind of stayed away because it's a lot of running. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I could see you <laughs> a sweeper, but
3: I don't think you'd be quite as physical. So, so then what got you into football? Uh, American football. Yeah, American football. Uh, I had basically two sets of friends, friends that were lived in Lake Oswego, Oregon, where I played soccer. And then I had friends in the inner city that I went to school with. And they all begged me like, man, come play football is so much fun. So I went out for it in eighth grade. Kind of liked it. Uh, We won a championship, but it was okay. Uh, And then as I got into high school, my mom didn't let me play my freshman year. And then I played my sophomore year and kind of took a liking to it. Uh, Not getting in trouble for running people over and and played offense and defense and just took a liking to it. Uh, Still didn't like practice. I wasn't (laughs) used to it being in the weight room, doing all these different things. But it was something that grew on me. Uh, And I got to hang out with my closer friends after school, going to practice and whatnot uh, that were all in the inner city. And Dominic, what does sports mean to the world? Like,
1: I've always felt that sports is a microcosm of the way the world should be run, yeah. that we all work <laughs> together to achieve a common goal. It doesn't yeah. work that way in the real world very often.
3: Yeah, you, you speak of kind of where our world sits. There's so, many diver, uh, there's so much division in, in the world, whether you're from Africa or Asia or wherever it may be, um, and even in the U.S. where we're... Uh, A huge melting pot, Uh, even spending time in London, England, which I love where my mom grew up a little bit as well. Um, It's just a huge melting pot. But when it comes to sports, people don't look at anything except for what the sport is. And whether it's soccer uh, or American football or basketball, whatever it is, it brings a collective of people together from all different parts of the world for one common goal and one common interest. And everything else is basically set to the side. And it's one of those amazing things. And you can see not only people that are in tough times being in the city of Detroit, like people see excitement when we were going to the playoffs and, and having great runs. Uh, you see the same thing down in Tampa, dealing with hurricanes and all these different particular pieces, uh, being when I was in LA, you see there was wildfires and being able to support those people and the firefighters and all the different things. And they all cling to the sports teams and say, this is my pride and joy. This is my bright spot of the day. And I mean, it's, it's something amazing to be a part of that and be able to change people's lives and be able to give them to be something to be excited about. Um, so with, with that said, uh, why do you
1: think you have been such a great player?
3: Why, if, if you just think you're a natural <laughs> Uh, I will for sure say I have natural given talent from my parents. There's no, Are you a hard worker? There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I'm I'm a tireless worker. Uh, it's something that is one only not only ingrained in me from my parents. Uh, I watched my older sister work tirelessly uh, as a professional, uh, whether she was in high school when she got to college, and then played for my dad's country uh, in the in the Olympics, and then more so, I've been super lucky as well. Uh, I've been able to meet my performance director, Keith D'Amelio, my physical therapist, Charlie, uh, my naturopath. Like I just have an amazing team that's been fortunate enough to be around me for 12 plus years and just giving me different modalities, different things to think about. And I'm the CEO of my own company uh, and my sports company and, and my business companies at the same time. And I have to take, all these different opinions and put them together, but I also have great guidance. And that's one of the special things about being a professional uh, and being able to have good people around you.
1: Pub your companies, what what are you into? (laughs) Uh,
3: I've got a real estate company uh, that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, I grew up uh, being in and around real estate. My dad's a mechanical engineer. I went to school for engineering. Uh, construction management, graduated, uh, and then uh, I have a couple other companies that I, I like to dibble and dabble in, whether it's the hospitality space or working with other high-level VC firms like Andreessen Horowitz or private equity companies like General Atlantic. Look at you. <laughs> That's what I, that, I was right. That You're not just a football player, for sure. Um,
1: and Dominic, and I, your career's been so interesting. All-decade player, five all-pros, Pro Bowls. Um and you're, yet, I, I would venture to say, don't be offended, that you've also polarized some people <laughs> along the way. Agree with that? Uh, maybe. We'll yeah. see. Uh, it's interesting. Like You're such yeah. a nice guy, obviously, but people have... Taking a stance against you at times for the
3: yeah. you know, for the for being physical yeah for sure uh, I think um, a lot of people have, a lot of the greats that I've come across uh, the Bruce Smiths of the world they say man if you could play in our era people would love you uh, and obviously the game has changed and changing for the better from a safety perspective so I totally get that uh, but I think uh, at the end of the day a lot of people look at me and. It's not from an unbiased lens, Uh, and that's my thing that I've always said and and prided myself on is, like, look at me from an unbiased lens and tell me that I'm a bad person. Uh, Just look at my body of work uh, and just go from there. Yes, I'm very physical. I'm supposed to hit people as hard as I can. I'm supposed to hit running backs, quarterbacks, no matter what, on the offense. You're not supposed to like me. I'm, I'm a menace. I'm supposed to be a menace to the offense. Uh, and that's what I think I've been doing my job and doing it at a very high level. So that's why people don't take a liking to me when it comes to that perspective. I don't think people like the Eagles defensive line and the way we've been able to take care of teams throughout this year and the way we want to go and take care of Kansas city.
1: All right. So you <laughs> won a Super Bowl before I wonder after all those, the years in, in Detroit were ups and downs, um, yep. how satisfying it was, what it made you feel to achieve the, the top of the mountain.
3: Ah, I mean it was an amazing uh, feeling especially to create history within that as well, being able to be the first team to win at home in their home stadium uh, down in Tampa. Uh I mean it was breathtaking, so much fun, uh and be able to have my wife uh there with me, which I've always said I haven't been a championship without her in my life. Uh first NFC championship was with her when I was in LA. Unfortunately we lost that Super Bowl, but Turned around and uh, my baby boys were in our stomach and uh, Hmm. we won a championship. And so now hopefully they can experience a championship here in Arizona soon.
1: What was it like to be with Tom Brady as a teammate?
3: Tom was a great teammate. Uh, The one thing that I always will give him credit for, and uh, a lot of respect for, is that he he has an ability to touch everybody in the locker room. Uh, And especially a guy of his status who can kind of shy away and be in his own particular corner and space, Uh, he made it known to be he's just one of the other guys. And uh, I've always had a lot of respect for that, and and, uh, liked him as a teammate.
1: When (laughs) you are a star of stars, um, I guess it's is it. I guess some guys may not have. As much maturity, acceptance when the roles have to change. Mm-hmm. How have you accepted that, uh, the the idea that your role has changed, and you could certainly still a very valuable player, <laughs> yeah. but not getting 70 snaps a game.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, at my particular age, I can for sure still play as many plays as I really want to, and and I train for it every off season. Uh, this year was obviously much different from previous years, where uh, I really kind of took a back seat and said. I'll make a decision if I want to come back or not. Uh, Always had offers, always had opportunities to come back earlier before the season even started, but just didn't feel right about it. Uh, And then I got a couple calls, uh, funny enough, from – two NFC Championship teams and the 49ers and the the Eagles. And obviously I chose the Eagles because I felt like it was the best situation. Not only having Ted Rath here that I have commonality with, but knowing Howie and having spoken with him over the years uh, and him being very straightforward up front of how we run uh, the defensive line and how we like to do things. uh, I thought it was a great fit. And for me, I don't need to be a starter. Uh, I can play at a high level coming off the bench. I can play at a high level being a starter. Uh, and the way we actually split reps, I get really starter starter minutes in a lot of ways. Yeah, I may not be on be on the field it's coming off halftime or coming uh, in there at the beginning of the game. But I'm getting 25, 30 snaps, and that's really where you want your defensive line to be, especially if you have guys that you can trust. So uh, I think it's a great situation.
1: Isn't this roster –
3: I mean, this roster is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, Howie's done an amazing, amazing job. But at the end of the day, it's up to us as a particular group to come together because you've been able to see the all-star team that GMs have tried to put together and all these different pieces. And we even had this in L.A. We were an amazing group, and – we just didn't get the job done when we got to the Super Bowl.
1: Then why does this team not have any selfishness?
3: Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's the culture, and I think it's it's the breed of the city, This the blue-collar city, a city that's hardworking, tough, and knows that there's a common goal. Uh, and guys will definitely get their shine and be able to have all the media attention that they want to, but the most important thing is to go and get that Super Bowl ring, and then you can really bask in the ambience from there. Uh, was
1: was the Super Bowl experience that you had, I guess that was COVID year, so was there a Super Bowl media night? Was
3: it all the craziness that... that uh, it, uh, for, from my recollection, I believe we did 90% of our stuff via Zoom. Okay. Uh, I know we had uh, different days, but I remember LA like it was yesterday. Uh, we definitely had a lot of media and attention coming from from a major city, and then we got to Atlanta Pretty early, I think it was also the same thing Sunday uh, as we're planning to go out there, and uh, that media circus was was a lot.
1: But you have a chance to amplify yourself mm-hmm. as a brand in that moment. Do you look at, you know, that crazy Monday media night and and the week of? reporters from around the world asking you questions
3: as an opportunity to do that, to to let people know who you are. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. Embrace your, uh, not only embrace it, but embrace it from a standpoint of being able to get yourself out there, send positive messages, uh, and really whatever you particularly are believing in, let people know who you are. Uh, there's lots of opportunities, uh, during that media session, uh, and beyond for you to be able to, to let people know who you are. Final football question.
1: Um, how do you feel about this football team going into Super Bowl 57 at Domica? Uh
3: I feel really good. Uh, I think our health is on the right trajectory of being able to be uh, going in their full strength. Uh, I think we match up really well with this team and this organization um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. But at the end of the day, it's going to be about uh, schemes and knowing what they're not going to do. Uh, Cause we can watch tape. We can see everything that they've done in the past, but they're going to be very, very creative. Andy Reed is a very smart coach and has been doing it for a long time. Obviously did it here for many years. And, uh, you know, he's going to have something slick up his, up his, up his sleeve for us as a defensive front.
1: Um, I want to finish if I may, by asking you a couple of Rihanna questions. <laughs> okay. Yep. For that. Yep. All right, let's do it. Uh, finish the lyric. You can stand under my umbrella. Okay. Finish my lyric. Um, uh, I don't even know what this. Oh, SOS! Please, someone help me! It's not healthy for me to.
3: Ooh, I don't know this one. Uh, yeah, feel this way. I don't know. Okay. I right, here, this one's easy.
1: So shine bright tonight. You and I were beautiful like.
3: Ooh, I know. Shine bright like a diamond.
1: Diamonds in yeah. the sky. Yep. Uh, a couple more here. Um, okay, who, who discovered uh, Brianna?
3: Ooh, who did discover Brianna? I don't know. Um, The mogul of all moguls, Jay-Z. Yeah, well, I know she's a part of Rock Nation and whatnot. uh, So yeah, Jay-Z, Jay Brown, all those guys. I know them well.
1: Okay, and then Mm. Rihanna's hit song Umbrella was originally written for what artist?
3: Mm, I don't know that one. Britney Spears. Okay. Work
1: on your Rihanna knowledge, my man.
3: I will have to uh, study up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Are you
1: into the whole media uh, management entertainment world as well you said you knew the the rock nation people
3: yeah no i know them i know them well uh i've they've been close family friends i was actually a part of rock nation for for a bit of time they do Uh, athletes also yeah they do athletes as well so uh, they're a great group of folks over there
1: how many years are you gonna play (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like I've still got a couple more years left in me, but honestly, it's, it's going to come down to, I mean, I love spending time with my kids and my family. Um, so it's gotta be the right situation.
1: W- will we see when you're done playing in five years, whatever it is, will you be, a politician? Will you be a broadcaster? Will you change the world in any
3: ways? Uh, I don't know if I'm into the politics side of things. Uh, I know politics run, run our world in a lot of ways, uh, good or bad. And then when it comes to analysts, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely interested in it. Uh, I've had some conversations over the years. I think that's something that kind of held me off quite a bit from coming back to play because I was in the midst of some conversations, but uh, we'll kind of see.
1: Well, wow. hey, good luck in the Super Bowl. Thank you so much. You. Great to meet you. you and well. joins the Eagles Insider Podcast. All right, Merrill, that was Dominick Kassou. Again, Howie Roseman, the NFL's Executive of the Year, according to the Pro Football Writers of Association. Have you ever seen a better Howie year? 2017 was great, yeah. but anything
2: like this? Well, this has been unbelievable. Uh, you named them earlier, bringing in Hassan Reddick. The draft night trade that brought in A.J. Brown. The pickup right before the start of the season of C.J. Gardner-Johnson. The acquisition of Bradbury, of James Bradbury, uh, Kaiser White. On and on. I mean, he has just done a remarkable job. Merrill,
1: I've asked you the question before the interview with Sue. Is this, is it possible
2: to say that this is the Eagles' greatest team ever? Well, Dave, I really was a little boy. And listening to a game on the radio, but I cannot uh, really speak about how great the 1948-1949 Eagles were. Now, if you're saying to me, "Is this the greatest Eagle, the greatest Eagles team post 1960 from the modern era?" Let's not go back to Van Brocklin and Chuck Bednarik fair, or people fair. like that. But let's say from the Dick Vermeil era on. Yes this is the best Eagles team I've seen.
1: And you can say that even though they have not yet won the Super Bowl?
2: Yes. Because I'm not telling you that that they are going to win the Super Bowl. I feel that way. I'm optimistic. I think they're a more complete team than Kansas City. But the best team doesn't always win. But am I optimistic? Yes. But even though they haven't, gotten to the Super Bowl yet I mean they've gotten to the Super Bowl they haven't played the Super Bowl yet I can tell you that this is the best and most complete Eagles team I have ever seen
1: well the man who's in charge of this football team Nick Sirianni in his second season our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni we start with a talk about the offensive and defensive lines Welcome, Eagles everywhere. It's our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, and we're talking as the Eagles early in their preparations for Super Bowl 57 next Sunday in Arizona against the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations, first of all, on the big win against the 49ers. I know you're past that. Um, You're welcome. A great time. Uh, Coach, it is clear that, you know, your philosophy, Howie's philosophy really have meshed the offensive lines, the defensive lines. How do you feel about those two units going into the Super Bowl, and just their success allows you to do what as a play caller and as a defensive coordinator?
4: It doesn't matter what level you're at. Uh, you win games with the offense and defensive line. We have such a deep defensive line group that can that can stop the run, that can get after the passer, and so it, it, every game starts up front. And, uh, and then the same thing with the offensive line, you know, Just what can you say about that group? One of the best offensive lines ever assembled. And, you know, that's important for any play you run. Not just a run play, but a pass play because that's where it starts off. So we got two special groups right there, you know, with special players and special leaders on those groups, you know. And so, you know, we go as they go. And, uh, you know, going into the Super Bowl, we'll we'll ride them just like like we have all year.
1: I feel like nobody really refers to them as being – the most physical groups on the field. I think that's not accurate. Like I think they are the most physical groups on the field.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's there's a, there's a lot of banging going on in, in that in the up front, and um, you know we got tough guys there, mentally, physically tough, and and just phenomenal players, great people, um, great leaders.
1: Depth you talk about also is in the running back room. Uh, obviously, Miles Sanders, a Pro Bowl player. Boston Scott's made big plays as in his time here. Kenny Gainwell's really come on. And why has it worked so well, Nick, that, you know, you've been able to work all three of them into the offense. Nobody ever complains about their touches. Uh, I remember back in training camp, people were saying, hey, you need a big back, you need a power back. You didn't do it. Why is it working so well, there? what kind of depth do you have there?
4: Well, first of all, I think everybody has a role uh, with, with, what they, with what they do, right? And, and guys can have similar skill sets, and, or they can have different skill sets, but everyone has their role. Everybody uh, has really dove into their role and excelled at their role. And that's when you're getting great play from a position group where you have guys that are doing different things and, and having different roles and really excelling at them. And then there's the selflessness of, the, of every one of the guys, how happy they are for each other when they're making plays, when they're scoring. And Kenny you know, Kenny's done a good job for two years now. He had he he was just had a knack for the end zone last year. He's having some more touches here into the playoff run and he's and he takes advantage of the opportunities he gets. You know, Miles obviously our guy and our go to guy and and I believe the other two guys that when they've come in they know what to do, they know how to do it and they've excelled in their role and taken advantage of the opportunities that they've had and that's what you want.
1: Is is Kenny a big back kind of runner? He runs like a big.
4: Bag. He runs physical. He, you know, he runs. You know, he's got great vision. He does a great job on third down. I think that him and Boston do a great job of lowering their pads and, and finishing things off. And yeah, they, you know, you could say that there are there are power back, but they all have a different skill set and and some similar skills too. And uh, just really pleased with that room. Coach Singleton's done a great job of of getting the guys ready to play The guys have done a great job getting ready to play. And, 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 you know, Trey even has had, had, had some good uh, games here this, this year. And, uh, and, you know, we're excited about what, what the future holds for Trey.
1: And miles, of course, a pro bowl player, what a fantastic season he's had. It was great to see on Sunday, the defense whole and healthy and Avante back on the field and CJ Gardner Johnson really playing flying around the football. Um, Coach, this team then took the football away three times, just like it's been for much of the season. What has this defense done to be so good at taking the football away?
4: You know, it's obviously a full-team defense, right? You get pressure up front, and there's going to be opportunities for for interceptions. But as we always, always do, we go crazy and obsess ourselves about how we're going to teach takeaways, how we're going to teach protecting the football. Sometimes at the end of the day, with the takeaways, it's about the guys you got back there, and we got special players, you know, in the secondary. We got special players rushing the passers. We got special players in the, at the linebacker group that can get after the football, and we've done a great job of that this year. We knew going into last game that the Niners were 15 and 0 when they won or tied the turnover battle, but they were 0 and 4 when they didn't, and so that was going to be a key to the game and not only protecting the football and offense but also taking it away on defense and our defense did a, f- a phenomenal job and they've done a good job all year and it's and, you know regardless of you know this next game that's going to be a key to this next game too uh, we know it and we know that's just the way football goes is it's the explosive play battle and the and the uh, turnover battle
1: speaking of the next game Super Bowl 57 against the Chiefs their defense, led by Steve Spagnolo, formerly a coach here with Jim Johnson, we know the Jim Johnson defense well from his time in Philadelphia. What is it about Spags' defense that's challenging to you? And I know you prepared for it in the 2021 season.
4: Again, still early in our studies and still early in, in going through everything. But you know, when you got good players and you got a scheme that challenges you, that's always going to be. You know a tough defense to go against. Hey, they're here for a reason, right? They're they're good defense. They're a really good football team, really good defense, and you know I think they're coached well and they have good players. You know, you know one of the better players in the NFL with Chris Jones, and and they got good playmakers at every at every level. And so good playing and good coaching is gonna you know make sure that we're that we're gonna have to be on our stuff to make sure we're ready for the challenge.
1: Same with the Chiefs on the other side of the ball. Patrick Mahomes is outstanding. You've studied quarterbacks. What makes him so great?
4: Yeah, you know, he's just got a great command of the the team. It looks like he, from afar, he looks like he's a really good leader. So he's got that off the field, intangible things that really looks like that. Again, I'm not, not there every day, but you can tell that um, just from watching it. And then just... You know, he's able to beat you with his arm. He's able to beat you with your legs. He's able to extend with his legs to beat you with his arm. You know, he's one of the best players in the world. We know that. And uh, you're just going to have to play discipline, play sound, play really well to beat a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. But we know we have a really good quarterback, too, and a really good football team, too. So it should be be a, a battle.
1: Can't wait. Coach, thank you so much for your cooperation, being here and being so great all season. And good luck in Super Bowl 57. Thanks, Dave. Go beat the Chiefs. Thanks for joining us. Merrill, the coaching matchup in this game is a great one. We obviously know Andy Reid very well. Nick Sirianni, two years in, has the makings of a great head coach in the NFL. How do you categorize these two? How do you kind of separate these two? How do you, how do you, what is your perspective on these two coaches? Do you know well, them both very well?
2: Yeah, I know them both very well, and I respect both of them, and I like both of them. Andy Reid, obviously, has the experience factor. He's been a coach since he came here in 1999. That's how long he's been a head coach. Uh, Nick Sirianni is in his second year as a head coach, but both are terrific people. Both connect with their players. Both can be authoritative when they absolutely have to be, and both are winning coaches. Andy Reid is a lock for the Hall of Fame. The most successful, the winningest coach in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. But no coach has done better in his first two seasons than Nick Sirianni.
1: Does the fact that Kansas City's been in three of the last four Super Bowls
2: give Andy an advantage? Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if he did. Ultimately, it will prove to be the determining factor. But certainly, when you have a team that's been there three out of four years, uh, you're talking about the experience factor, and it certainly has to be acknowledged.
1: Uh, All right, so let's go into – we've got some uh, sound here. The players were off early in the week. They reported back to Novacare on Thursday. Brandon Graham, Jalen Hurts having press conferences. Let's hear what those two have to say. First up, Brandon Graham making a return trip to the Super Bowl five years later.
5: It's it's definitely a blessing because it took me eight to get to the first one. So uh, just trying to enjoy these – last two weeks of the season and trying to put my best foot forward like we've been doing and just trying to get the win. I always believed I would get the one, but two now, man, I knew I talked about it last year going into this year saying, man, we coming back strong next year. We doing all this because I was hurt and just put the work in, you know, every day, one day at a time. And then when I seen the offseason moves, I was like, oh man, we got us, we got us some stuff. And then training camp uh, was really good. And and, man, all it was was our consistency to just want to be better every day. And it's been working. And Coach definitely led the way. Getting into the playoffs, the postseason, that was the first step of it because a lot of guys, you know, finish the season strong. And that's how you want to finish. You want to get hot at the right time. But then, you know, you go against Brady, uh, you know, they—they they, who we lost to earlier. It was a closer game than before. Uh, but I know that it was just the first year, first year, uh, with Jalen as as a starter, you know, um, for him uh, going into the offseason, knowing that he was the guy with a, with a new coach, and now I feel like going into the second year, it was just the, the people that Howie and those guys brought in, uh, and then Jalen had a second year with with the coach, and then you know, um, I feel like uh, JG was a great great hi- I mean great hire for us um, last year, and you know, he now we didn't have to spend a lot of time on a lot of things that the first year that you have to spend a lot of time on. He won me over when he first got here because. It was just, it was cool, cause that press conference he had, that, that he, you know, did all the stuff, said all the wrong things. Uh, we y'all got on him. Uh, he, I just felt like he came into it here and gave us his honest answer on how he felt about it. He was pissed about it, you know, and I, I love that, cause you know, a lot of coaches wouldn't admit to, you know, sometimes when the media get under their skin, and you know, it was, it was just cool, it was just down to earth. Cool cool guy got he had a good report coming in from a lot of guys that was there with the coach uh that talk that I talked to and um they said you got you got you a good one, hopefully him being the head coach don't change him and it, from what I seen it didn't change him man so that's when he won me over man just coming in being real uh about how he feels, but I know you know sometimes you can wear your emotions on your sleeve uh which he does, but you know I think he does a great job of you know owning it and moving on too right. um. Coach Reed was always a real dude. I mean, you know, he's he always um, handled his business, really didn't really have too much. He really didn't talk as much uh, as far as, you know, team meetings, five minutes, and we in and out. Um, and then that's the difference from him and Nick, like Nick being here about 20, 20 to 30 minutes, and then Coach Reed, it was just like five minutes and you're done. <laughs> you want, the order of business is this. All right, go ahead and start your day, you know, and – i think um you know it was it was always cool um and then for me, him drafting me man i can all, i'm always uh indebted to him because of uh you know him taking a chance on me in, in, uh, in this organization when he was here uh but yeah, man, old school um got a lot of coaches that was under him that have similar styles on how they run their they uh they programs, and man, I think he's just you know the o g of all the coaches
1: Brandon, uh, earlier today uh Julian. Radio,
5: uh you know what I felt that one this time. I've really felt that because, you know, you could see he was ready to, uh, you know, let it go a little bit uh, as far as crying and, you know, uh, I mean, he had a hell of a career, man. I mean, you shouldn't have no regrets even if this year didn't go as well as you wanted it to go. People gonna always remember you of of all the things, all the great things you've done. They're still trying to make sure that, you know, they have a better taste of what he didn't do this year and trying to, you know – talk about what he did in his past to make up for this year. So Brady shouldn't hang his head about anything, man. Uh, He a Michigan man. Uh, He definitely got opportunity afterwards with that big deal that he got. So, I mean, I don't feel sorry for him.
1: (laughs) And then, Merrill, Jalen Hurts, you have been on the train. You were the president of the Jalen Hurts fan club at the time the Eagles drafted him. Again, congratulations. I've, I've acknowledged you. I hope others
2: have. Thank you. Have others in the media? No, not many. <laughs> but Meryl, Meryl, Maybe Cindy, my uh, wife. Okay, but
1: Merrill ha- Meryl was on Jalen Hurts very, very quickly, and I think there were a lot of others who were waiting to see him develop, and he certainly has developed. He meets the media, and what do you expect from Jalen? Calm, cool, collected. Yeah, it's a Super Bowl, but in a lot of ways, Jalen Hurts, it's just another game.
6: Yeah, you know, we... Um, <clears throat> We we have a heck of an opportunity in front of us, and <clears throat> excuse me, we have a heck of an opportunity in front of us, and we've worked really hard to be where we are now. So um, to have the opportunity is is something that you earn. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's something that you earn. So we want to work really hard to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think every 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 guy has a unique way of doing what they do. Um, you're not going to turn on the TV and see everybody playing the game the same way. So. You know, I I don't necessarily take pride in playing the game a certain way. I just take pride in being who I am. Um, you know, every everybody um, does it different. You know, and everybody has something different that makes them special and great. You know, but just trying to go out there and play the game to win. I think uh, any anyone like Mike Vick, Cam, uh, Randall Cunningham, uh, McNabb, all of those types of guys are guys that um, a lot of young kids looked up to. Um, A lot of young black kids as well. I mean, Steve McNair, all of those guys. So, yeah, I think it's history. I think it's something that's worthy of being noted, and it is history. You know, it's come a long way. I think there's only been seven um, African-American quarterbacks to play in the Super Bowl. So um, to be the first for some is is pretty cool. So I know it'll be a good one. I think there are um, definitely guys that we can lean on. You know, I think there are definitely guys we can lean on and their experiences – You know, I think experience is the biggest teacher, so you have to kind of go through it yourself to learn the most from it, but having those guys around is definitely beneficial, and I think, you know, there's a lot of familiar faces around here that have been here, you know, so I think as a team we're leaning on one another. I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate that a lot. Those are guys that I've watched as a kid, um, looked, looked up to for a long time, and I'll have them here and kind of blazing their trails and, you know, trying to create new ones you know what I mean um those are guys I have a lot of respect for um and I think I just try and go out there and play the game with passion and um you know go go throughout the process of preparing for games and giving it my all uh, every day I'm here and every time I'm on the field and you know, just leading so I appreciate that
1: Merrill uh it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Jalen Hurts um You know, Patrick's 52 touchdown passes this year, four more in the the playoffs. Again, a pro football Hall of Famer, the best in the league. Would you say that right now? Yeah, I would. What do the Eagles do against him? Uh,
2: Again, they have to be very, very wise in what they do. You can't gamble uh, a lot with Patrick Mahomes. You can't blitz a lot because he can pick you to pieces. You have to play sound defense. You have to be very, very careful, but play aggressively, but... Don't go crazy blitzing him because he is, he is impervious to that. Um, did you watch the AFC
1: Championship game? I'm sure you went home sure, and watched it. Sure, I did. Amazing to me that a high ankle sprain would not impede him more.
2: Not only did it not impede him, but the play that determined the game was Patrick Mahomes running the football and then getting the benefit of the late hit that set up the winning field goal. No, he's amazing. And put two more weeks behind the injury, and I think that... Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be in pretty good shape for this game.
1: I think the Eagles pass rush though is going to be very important. Travis Kelsey I don't remember the last tight end I have to look it up and I will who's hurt a Jonathan Gannon defense as we saw so many times with Jim Schwartz's defense. I know Travis Kelsey's great and almost
2: unstoppable but I don't remember one taking over a game. Well the one I was worried the most about was George Kittle but George Kittle was not in a position to do anything without a quarterback to get him the ball.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, the, uh, that's a little bit of the matchup. We've got more coming next week, of course, um, in this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I want to give you a little bit of the inside. And in this week's extra points, the Eagles are moving out to Arizona. First on Sunday, the football team goes out, then various Chargers fly out on Thursday and Friday, and the man in charge of it all is Dan Ryan, the director of team travel and football logistics. He's in his 11th season with the Eagles, and he has a huge, huge project on his hands. We spoke earlier this week about the job and what has to go right for the Eagles to feel like it's home away from home in Glendale, Arizona. Dan, uh, I'm sure it's beautiful weather out there and you're really enjoying yourself in Arizona. Uh, You you went out early. Tell me what your responsibilities are and just if you can kind of encapsulate how enormous this project is.
0: Yeah, we're out here with uh, a team of four right now. We have uh, four more employees coming in tonight and then a whole bunch of employees coming in uh, throughout the rest of this week just to help us start preparing. Um, We've got a uh, whole bunch of things on our plate. I mean, everybody knows, obviously we're, we're moving the whole team out here and it's, you know, some more players than usual. Um, and, you know, all the staff that are, are here to support all the players and things like that. So that's, that's kind of one piece of it. And then we're, we're moving, uh, you know, the friends and family of the players and of the staff and the coaches out here too. So there's a, a little bit of a different component that that brings that we don't typically do. Um, we've, we practice this a lot. I think uh, not only this year, but in years past, and it doesn't hurt having the experience with a lot of the same personnel here from the the 2018 Super Bowl. So we've we've got the blueprint for it. We're in a we're in a good spot, and you know, it's it's nice. Uh, I, I heard you guys got snow back there this morning, so it's it's nice that we're out here and, and you guys are back there.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you can laugh about it. That's really encouraging um, <laughs> because I don't think you're seeing much of the sun at all. Um, okay. How, it, just for people who don't know, how large is this party? How, how many moving parts are there? I mean, it normally, so on a normal game week, Dan, you're moving how many people, uh, on a Saturday and basically returning on a Sunday night in a, in a typical environment?
0: Yeah. In a normal game week, we're moving about 200 people. Um, this is, this is a bit bigger here. I mean, we'll, we'll do about with the, with the team itself, um, Just on the team plane, we do like maybe two hundred and ten, and then. But we have all these advanced staff that are out here preparing for their arrival. So when they get here, they hit the ground running. There's, there's no, you know, there's no time. We've, we've replicated what we have at Novacare, and we, we built it here in Phoenix. So when the guys get here, they have everything they're used to. They have the same popcorn. They have the same hot tubs and cold tubs we have all that pre-planned and pre-set up so when they get there they they really won't know the difference except for you know the the time change um and then the the friends and family piece you know we we move probably close to almost 2000 people over the course of um that weekend of that game you know the the players have um their parents coming in their their wives their girlfriends and things like that and the staff all have their families come in. Everyone's super excited. Everyone's super happy to be here. Uh, you know, we're lucky to have the owner that we have who's who's so generous and, and gives, you know, our staff and, and their families the opportunity to, to kind of come out here and be a part of it. So, you know, we, we take advantage of that and, and we get the guys in a, in a good place where they can focus. And we also, you know, take care of their families. So, you know, they can, they can share this moment with them.
1: So the hotel, all of the facilities, they're pre-scouted. Dan, so you have a, you go in knowing kind of the lay of the land, at least having some idea.
0: Yeah, that's right. The the league does a great job in that, and um, some of the other teams, like travel directors and, and personnel from other teams, uh, kind of jump onto a, a Super Bowl committee each year, um, and they they go out and they kind of scout some of these hotels, practice sites, um, stadiums, things like that. That and they know what the pain points are for teams, especially when they're out here in high stress situations for extended periods of time. So they come out here and they, they do a lot of the the heavy lifting on the front end. and then they kind of give you your your deck of cards for that week. but they do such a good job at addressing you know what our issues could be and and what we like and and what we don't like. All the teams, while they are a little bit more specific, um, going from you know one team to another, at the end of the day, we all have the same goals, so we all kind of align with the same overarching, you know, needs. Um, but you know, I think the big thing is just it's it's the league coming together with the teams and supporting us. You know, we have uh, a staff of ten uh, league employees that are here helping us with everything from security to sourcing, um, you know, specialty hot tubs and. Um, sourcing buses and, and transportation, and it's on both sides. We have liaisons from the league that help us with friends and family, and we have liaisons from the league that help us with just preparing for the big game.
1: Does it matter that it's Minneapolis one year and then it's Phoenix area, Tempe, or
0: whatever it is, Glendale area? Now, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't think so. And Either way, it's the it Super Bowl, is? right? Uh, no, I mean, either way, it's the Super Bowl. The, the the biggest difference is I think people would be more likely to, to go outside and explore a little bit more here, you know, with the weather being the way it is, it, it wasn't quite, I think we were, we were peaking at five degrees when we were in Minnesota last time. So there's a, there's some chance to get a little bit of, uh, you know, vitamin D and, and go outside and get a little bit of sunlight and some fresh air this time, which I think is good. It keeps you kind of up and awake. Um, you know, so it's, it's it's a good thing to be in a in a little bit of a warmer climate, I think, for this, but at the end of the day, once you get out in the field, it's still, you know, a hundred yards that you gotta go to score a touchdown. So that it doesn't change when you're out in the field.
1: Dan, yeah, you mentioned kind of the pain points, pressure points. What, what are those? What are the like what is the most difficult aspect of, of this, this massive undertaking?
0: I think some of that is is just the added um security and and how many people come out for this game um it's not like we we did this twice in preseason it's not like that where you know you're out there and it's really just you and the team and there's not a whole ton of people around this is this is entertainment too so there's a whole nother piece of it there's so many parties that are going out every night now we're not partaking in that but it's all kind of happening around our bubble so we try to keep that bubble intact and keep it all together and limit those distractions. I would say, that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to a game of this magnitude is, is limiting your distractions and, and just keeping it focused on, you know, what the, the job is and, and what the end goal is when we get to the end of, you know, uh, next week, I guess.
1: And the last question, then: what did you learn from 18, 2018, that you apply now that kind of makes this whole process
0: maybe easier? we we were much more prepared now. I think Uh, we we kind of got out in front of the ball here and, and tried to work ahead to an extent where we were actively looking and seeing what are some things that we may need if we go out there? What are some, some um, different things? What are transportation times look like? What's, what's the practice facility? We're we're kind of looking ahead there and, and there's only a few of us that are kind of capable and and supposed to be doing that because every week you're playing a game and you're playing an opponent. So it it really helps being, you know, the the, the one seed and being at home for the last, I think we're going on five weeks. um, That's, that's a huge help from my perspective on my side, I can focus on what's the next step ahead. I can be the one who kind of looks out and looks ahead. And we've got a whole, a whole group of people out here that are all doing a great job and all working super hard and, putting in super long days to make sure that everything goes on without a hitch. And I can't emphasize enough. We practice this in the preseason. We practice this in the regular season when we do week long trips and and the repetition, you constantly go back and and kind of fine tune the things that you've done to make them run smoother. And I think that that's what will pay off at the end is just, you know, having everyone buy in, having everyone focused, and and having you know the team get here and limit those distractions prepare for a game treat it like you would as as if we were in in philadelphia
1: so indeed dan on the field in the world of travel practice makes perfect
0: (laughs) it does it does
1: (laughs) all right i love it dan thank you so much for your time good luck out there uh work on your tan it sounds like you've got a lot of free time um, so enjoy <laughs>
0: and I'll see you out there on Sunday. It might be a spray tan. I think.
1: <laughs> Merrill, uh, this is, uh, the end of our time together in this podcast. I really thank you for your time. Uh, any My thoughts, you know, we've, we've got two weeks here is the, is the build up what you thought, the, what you thought it would be. I mean, do you, are you glad it's one versus one? Are you, what are you kind of just, what are your thoughts here?
2: I think we're talking about the two best teams in the national football league. We're talking about a great matchup of coaches, the old experienced coach in and Andy Reid, the, the upstart, the rising star in Nick Sirianni. You're talking about the brother, the brother against brother with the two Kelseys. It's a, it's a dream Super Bowl matchup, and I can't wait to get behind the mic.
1: What will you be doing at halftime? Will you be singing
2: Rihanna songs? At halftime, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will be taking a deep breath, going over our statistics, and preparing for the second so half. So, tell
1: me about the press box economy. Will you? Do you know where you'll be for the?
2: I don't. Yeah. I know where I was when we when the uh, the Eagles played Arizona earlier in the season. Did you like that press box oh, no. location? We were in the corner of the end zone.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, so that this is not this is not am um, um, FedEx Field, but this is not Lincoln Financial Field for you in terms of. Primetime location?
2: No, from it's a long way from the Link or MetLife or some of the other stadiums that we've been in. It's uh, we are not it, we we are not given a bird's eye view. Merrill, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it so much, and uh,
1: we will see you in Arizona. Can't wait to be out there with you. Uh, thanks again to everyone who's listening. We'll be back on Monday, starting a daily podcast, Eagles Insider Podcast. Please make sure you're with us as I give you the inside perspective. From Arizona, the team hotel, etc. Peter Kelly, thanks so much for your work putting it all together. Kira Mahoney as well, Ray Doyle and the Eagles Media Relations team, and of course Indama Sue, Meryl Reese, all of the Eagles who take time to help with the podcast. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadero. Thanks for joining me on this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Have yourselves a great Eagles Day. Fly Eagles, fly and go birds. E A G L E S eagles